How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the MMA Frequency. It's me, Joseph Dolan, and we are recording on Monday, May the 2nd, 2022. Uh, we're breaking down the fights from last weekend, the fights from for this weekend, and everything else in between. Alrighty, uh, PFL, uh, full disclosure, did not watch that. I know I just went on a impassioned defense of uh, their interesting playoff system last episode, but a fellow's got a busy schedule, okay? So, this weekend we had uh, UFC on ESPN, Rob Font versus Marlon Vera, and it was a decent card. Not the best, not the worst. Uh, pretty bad on paper. Uh, okay in execution, you know. Uh, let's get right into the action. The first fight I ended up watching was, uh, Natan Levy versus Mike Breeden. This was really fun, really fast-paced, incredibly violent. Uh, Natan Levy was really good with the, uh, takedowns. He wore on Breeden, even though he wasn't really getting any, uh, advantage with the positioning. He was just taking him down, getting his back over and over and over again. And uh, his defense was pretty good against Breeden, too, because Breeden kept uh, running forward at him, going to the body, going to the head, uh, mixing things up, basically just offensively rushing forward. And the commentary kept hyping up uh, Mike Breeden, but I honestly thought that Natan Levy was pretty much outstriking him pretty well for the majority of the fight. Uh, hit him with some better shots and avoided the damage from Breeden's strikes. Uh, after that, the next fight that uh, I watched on the card, it was uh, the current flyweight champion's little brother, Francisco Figueredo. Uh, he's been doing all right at the UFC, obviously not as good as his brother, but he fought Daniel Lacerda, and Daniel, uh, they ended up on the ground. They were grappling, and Lacerda tried to uh, pass. He tried to uh, cross over uh, Little Fig. And this man snapped on a knee bar. Two cool-ass knee bars two weeks in a row on UFC shows. Uh, snapped one on lightning quick, tapped him out. Uh, very beautiful transition, very cool knee bar. And after that was uh, the people's main event. The people's main event was the next fight I watched. Alexander Romanoff versus Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman, baby! On that new contract, baby, I respect and I support anybody who scams the UFC out of their money. And my God, it's Chase Sherman, a Caton scammer. Uh, we've been talking about this fight for three weeks, three episodes, and Romanov walks through him. Uh, he tapped him out with an Americana in 2 minutes and 11 seconds, which that's a submission you don't see every day. But Romanov took him down. Beat him up, didn't let him get up, beat him up some more, and then tapped him out. I mean, that's what I said would happen. I said he would win. I said Chase Sherman is bad. I'm not that terrible at making predictions. I'm not that bad, guys. Uh, after that, we had uh, Christoph Jocko and Gerald Mearshart. I gave like a decent amount of attention to this fight, and it did not really deserve it. Uh, Jacko made this fight. He won very convincingly and very boringly. 
just kind of lots of just had him outstruck on the feet for three straight rounds. Uh, took him down a couple times. Mearshart like spent a lot of time on the third in the third round on the bottom looking for submission that he just could not pull off. So Joko just kind of cruised ahead and outworked him to a decision. 30-27, he won all three rounds. It was not really that competitive. The other fight after that was uh, Darren Elkins versus Tristan Connolly. Darren Elkins put a pace on this kid and did the same exact saying, uh, all won all three rounds. Pretty uh, interesting fight. I didn't get a chance to see all of it. I was in and out for that one, so I didn't take intensive notes on uh, Elkins and Connolly. But hopefully Darren Elkins uh, gets another contract, makes some more bag. Hopefully Darren Elkins gets on that Chase Sherman contract. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That uh, that uh, chest of gold that Dana White drops for uh, people who sub in for fights on short notice. Next fight on the card was uh, Grant Dawson and Jared Gordon. This was very, very interesting. I kind of thought that Grant Dawson was going to do better than he did, but it was super, super fun. Uh, he was doing really, really good in the grappling and even decent enough on the feet. Gordon was obviously the better striker, but before he started to gas, it's not like he had nothing on the feet. But by the third round, Dawson really, really wanted that takedown very, very badly. He did not want to do any of this striking crap anymore. He wanted the leg. He said, please give me the single leg. Please, please, please. I don't want to fight you anymore. And uh, Dawson got Gordon down one last time in the third round. And he tapped him out. Very beautiful. Rear naked choke. Slipped it in. Basically at the end of the third round, too. Very, very nice performance from Grant Dawson. Probably going to get a number on his name after this. Probably going to make his way into the lightweight top 15, or at the very least get a fight with a uh, ranked fighter in the lightweight top 15. The next fight, which I literally skipped over because I thought it was, I just was not interested. Once again, egg on my face because Joe Anderson Brito was amazing. He starts Andre Feely in 41 seconds, double jabbed him in the face, then hooked him right in the head and dropped him like a rock. Very, very beautiful, uh, performance from Joe Anderson Brito. I kind of feel bad. Andre Andre Feely just looked, you know, hello darkness, my old friend. They were talking about how he was trying to get ranked and stuff, how he would believe that he was going to win championship gold. Yikes. Yikes. I'm sure he'll be back. Our co-main event, AEW superstar Andre Olofsky versus Jake Collier. This fight sucked. This fight sucked. It sucked. It was three rounds of, of uh, once again, I said, expect a boring decision. Was I wrong? No. Arlovsky and Collier plotted around the ring after each other, punching each other in the head over and over again. And Arlovsky, he looked like, well, he looked like an old man on the way out the door of the sport, which is what he is. He is an old man on his way out the door of the sport. Jake Collier actually legitimately was doing better than him. And then Andre Arlovsky won a split decision where one of the judges gave him all three rounds? Oh, oh, that was that was the other way around. One of the judges gave Collier all three rounds. That is that makes way more way more sense than even giving Arlovsky two rounds of that fight. Uh absolutely gifted decision. I was scratching my head at the TV 
watching that split decision happen. Oh. Well, uh, Andre Arlovsky rides again, I guess. Guess he's going to fight another up-and-coming heavyweight. Oh, boy. Fun. But, 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 this card was saved. It was saved by the beautiful saving grace. I don't know if you could hear the excitement dripping from my vocal cords last week, but Marlon Vera and Rob Font was surpassed my expectations uh, by far. One of the things that I forgot to mention in the technical breakdown last week, I wouldn't say I'm doing technical breakdowns. You know what I mean. Uh, in the preview of this fight last week, I forgot to mention that Rob Font has an insane jab. Uh, so quick. Absolutely, like, no setup. Just lets, lets it rip all the time. Really, really good. And Rob Font connected with almost two, almost, like, 300 strikes on Saturday night. Which, the crazy thing is, is that uh, Font was connecting with the jab like 60% of the time th through 500 strikes connected with like 250, 300 of them and he convincingly lost the fight. Just MMA is the most fascinating sport in the world but uh, Dean Thomas kind of nailed it. He was talking about it on the broadcast that clearly uh, the best defense is a good offense is not the best strategy because Rob Font was all offense in this fight. And Cheeto Vera just picked him apart. Was I don't even know. It was it was it was incredible. So Cheeto Vera did win. He won. Uh, I had him probably forty nine, forty six. Uh, yeah, probably one, two, three, four, and five. But Rob Font was so good, and uh, with his boxing, his intelligence, the combinations he was throwing, where he was throwing them, when he was throwing them. It was incredible, but uh, essentially, Cheeto was, I don't know, he put on a crazy performance, but Font's an orthodox boxer, so he's always fighting with his right hand back, his left leg forward, and Cheeto basically just threw everything he had at the wall to change things up and disturb his rhythm as much as he possibly could, so he was changing his stance all the time basically just moving in and out of everything, switching stances. He was hammering Font's lead leg with kicks, and Font does not do southpaw, so that was part of the strategy. Uh, really good head movement, kind of dipping and diving out of the way of strikes, and his high guard was oh, so, so, so beautiful. Because, I mean, Font would throw wing two hooks at his head, and Cheetah would just deflect both, deflect one and then catch the other right on, right on the arm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, Font outlanded him in the first round, but I was I was watching and I was like, okay, he's connecting with the leg kicks. Not all of these strikes are getting through. The ones that were getting through, Cheeto just ate him. He he didn't even have any scars on his face at the end of the fight. Uh, his his whole game plan was to just take his time, do his thing at his own pace, trust his guard, and counter strike. And boy, did he counter strike. Uh, at the end of the second round, it was looking exactly like the first round. Uh, Cheeto just leaps at him with a uh, lead hook, Not, and 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 Font Font starts doing the chicken chicken leg dance. Uh, it was about like 40, 40 seconds left in the round, maybe thirty seconds left in the round, and Cheeto just drops huge elbows on him for the rest of the round, and he did that in every single round after that. Not the fifth round, but uh, 
Third round, same exact story. Cheeto going to the leg, keeping his guard up. Another part of Cheeto's strategy that I thought that he honestly could have leaned into more was uh, the body. I think in the second or third round, he threw this spinning back kick that sounded like it was a gunshot in the arena. And every single body kick he threw, it hurt Font. You could tell because Font would change his behavior. He would go, ooh, I don't like that. And he would back off. He would move away. There were a couple times where he would like actually grab his chest when Cheeto landed a flush body kick. But uh, Rob was just throwing, throwing, throwing. And at the end of round three, Cheeto knocked him down again with a crazy well-timed knee to the head. Got him with some more elbows on the ground. Fourth round, again, uh, close to even. Basically, Cheeto just started closing the gap in the striking as he did more and more and more damage to Font. By the, by the fourth round, Font was bleeding. He had cuts all over his face. By the end of the fight, uh, his eye had blown up. He looked terrible. And then at the end of the fourth round, he caught him with some anime shit, some kamikamiha, an amazing wheel kick to put Font on his ass. He did not pursue the finish. I was very, very sad. There was like 50 seconds of Keith Peterson going, Cheeto, engage or let him up. Cheeto, engage or let him up. Little Cheeto just like kicked the inside of Font's side. And I kind of understand like not wanting to go to the ground in that way to like risk like a sure thing that you've got in just in the case, just in case Rob like throws up some kind of crazy triangle. But uh, I do wish he was just throwing a couple more punches in the head. He might have been able to get him out of there in that round. And then the fifth round was a little more even, but Cheeto absolutely did more damage. Uh, basically hit him with like a, almost like a super kick to the jaw. It was beautiful, 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 beautiful. Uh, but yeah, Cheeto got his hand raised at the end of the fight. This is one of the my since I've started the show, one of my favorite fights I've seen in a long, long, long time. Cheeto's strategy was just impeccable, and even when Font was landing clean shots, he just didn't didn't even seem like it registered. He didn't really give off any indication that it hurt him. It just kept on ticking. So Cheeto's gonna get. Font's spot in the top five. I don't know how well a strategy of do nothing in the first round and get punched in the head a lot would do against like somebody like Peter Jan or someone. But, oh, man, Cheeto against Aldo in a five-round rematch. Cheeto against Sandhagen. All banger, banger, banger fights. All really, really crazy. I'd love to see any of them. Uh, I have no idea what Font's future is. Uh, he by no means embarrassed himself with his performance. It was still really, really good. Uh, hopefully he just fights down. Gets his way back into the top five. But that was that card. And that was that incredible, incredible, incredible fight. There is some interesting news this week. Uh, the beat Megamed Sharipov... Uh, he was removed from the featherweight rankings maybe like almost like a year ago. He hasn't fought in a long time. He hasn't fought in like twenty since like 2019. But uh, he's apparently going into medical school. It's really kind of raising a lot of questions about whether he's actually ever going to fight again. And he had all those injuries and the surgeries he had to recover from. It's kind of like a Hamza Chemaev situation before we do the Hamza was coming back. We don't really know with the beat. I hope he comes back. I hope he fights again because he's a really, really good fighter. But if he's found his peace and he wants to go to, like, med school or something, 
you know, good for him. I can't can't fault him. Uh, a couple of UFC just matchmaking news. Uh, they're targeting a Paris event in September. The UFC is, and they've already penciled in a main event. It's going to be Cyril Gaon and Tai Tuivasa. I think this one is going to be really, really good, much better than people think. And I'm really happy that Gaon's going to get like a night to perform in front of his hometown crowd. Cyril Gaon's probably still going to win, but I think it probably it might be closer than people think. Or poor Tai Tuivasa is in for a very long and very painful night, and Gaon throws him around and jabs his face off for five rounds. Uh, either one. As well, in July, UFC is putting together a second London card for this year. Uh, the two fights we've got penciled in right now are Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades in the main event, and then Darren Till and Jack Hermanson. Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades is a really, really interesting fight. Uh, we will see. We will see. Because, I mean, Kurt, the, new, the new Curtis Blades, you know, we're a kickboxer now and all that. Is not terrible. He's obviously still a really good wrestler, so this is going to be like an interesting test for Aspinall to see how versatile his skill set really is if he can neutralize Blades. Because Blades is probably one of the more well-rounded guys. I wouldn't say well-rounded, but he's working on his game, developing it in ways that nobody in the division is really doing besides like Cyril Gaon and Tom Aspinall. So, And then with Hermanson, Hermanson coming off a... Mind-numbingly boring decision loss against Sean Strickland. Darren Till is like one in five and is like six or something. So I'm not praying on Darren's downfall or anything, but if he wins, he loses this fight. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds for Darren Till? Some interesting news from around the horn. Uh, one championship made a deal with Amazon Prime Video. Very very interesting. Amazon Prime is going to host twelve. Uh, fight cards a year good i think that's a uh, great news i think more uh mma promotions need to get better distribution and better to be on better networks bellator is gonna like the ugly little sideshow cousin to the showtime sports apparatus hopefully amazon goes like all the way in on one and hopefully it expands their fan base. I think it'd be really, really cool. Uh, some other stuff. Uh, Jorge Masvidal. The trial was... It wasn't a trial, I believe. It was just a uh, deposition. But in the deposition of the case between Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, Jorge is officially pleaded not guilty. Though there is a clip of him assaulting Colby outside of the club. I just, Jorge Masvidal's going to jail, folks. There's, there's not much else that I can say. He's going to jail. What else can you do? Whoopsie-daisy. That's it for the news. Uh, coming up this weekend, though, we've got UFC 274, which it's Gaethje fight week, baby. It's also Charles Oliver fight week. I don't really have a preference in this uh, main event. I think these guys are both killers, and I'm really, really excited. The card is very interesting, and I mean, in some places more deep than this weekend's card, and other places maybe not so much. Uh, 
Andre Fialo is fighting. Crazy quick turnaround from uh, like two, three weeks ago. Uh, fighting Cameron Van Camp. Very, very interesting. Starts this. Shouldn't, shouldn't swear that hard on the show. But starts the ever-living hell out of Miguel Beza in his last out. Want to see him get in there again. Very, very interested in, uh, I guess, the ceiling of the company because that was a crazy, crazy knockout. And they clearly trust him enough to put him on headlining the prelim cards for a big pay-per-view. So, Brandon Roy Val and Matt Schnell also, also on the prelims. Didn't do much tape on this, obviously. But Brandon Rival is a great fighter. Uh, probably going to be a great fight. Flyweights always show up and show out. Other than that, nope, I've just got notes on the main card. So, first fight Cowboy Cerrone is back, baby. The man with a Wikipedia controversy section longer than his MMA record section on his Wikipedia page has returned. He's going to be fighting Joe Lauzon. This fight, yeah, the. Main card of 275 is all about old men fights. Unfortunately, Cowboy is 0 and 5 and 1 in his last six. Joe Lauzon is 2 and 4 in his last six and also hasn't fought since 2019. Something's got to give. Either Joe Lauzon goes on hiatus for another three years or Cowboy's losing streak snaps. Who's to say? Yeah, Cowboy always brings it, all that, blah, 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 but I'm really not that excited. And, oh, boy, oh, boy, speaking of not that excited, Shogun Hua versus Elvin St. Prue. Funny enough, the fight is actually a rematch of a fight from eight years ago. It's a fight night headliner, and Elvin St. Prue starts Shogun, knocked him out in, like, 45 seconds, but it's a lot of time and a lot of mileage, and in OSP's case, a failed division change since that fight. So, I mean, who's to say? Shogun isn't... Shogun's a little washed. I mean, you, you want to talk about grounded knees. You want to talk about your Algerman Sterlings. You want to talk about your grounded knees. You want to talk about Pride Grand Prix. You want to talk about Shogun Hua. I'll talk about Shogun Hua. I will talk about Pride Fighting Championship on a future episode of the show. But Shogun, this Shogun who is fighting in the UFC in 2022 is not the same Shogun who is fighting in Pride in like 06 or whatever. <sighs> this fight and the Ferguson fight back to back. I don't really care about Cowboy Cerrone. If he looks bad and gets beat up, it doesn't bother, bother me. But... Shogun and Tony back-to-back might be incredibly, incredibly depressing. And that brings me to Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Depresses me on so many levels. This fight makes me sad. Because even though his last fight was a year ago, we saw him fight Gaethje. We saw him fight Oliveira. We saw Benil Dariush essentially lay and prey on him for three rounds. Tony Ferguson does not look good. He looks like he has lost a step. He looks like he is slightly washed up. And for the last weeks and weeks and weeks, 
Chandler, Michael Chandler has been trying to hype up Tony Ferguson as this dangerous guy, this badass fighter, this opponent that I'm really, really excited to fight. And I know what you're doing, Mike. You corny, corny ass men. He is trying to big up Tony Ferguson so that when he does beat up Tony Ferguson for three straight rounds, it's impressive and not assaulting an old man. Chandler's trying to juice this for as many spots up in the rankings as he can possibly get. Uh, I mean, I would say Tony's best strategy is to avoid Chandler's hands and try and grapple with him. But that might be advice for Tony Ferguson from 2017. Not advice for Tony Ferguson from 2022. He might not be able to execute that game plan whatsoever. So I remorsefully pick Michael Chandler to win this one, potentially by incredibly, incredibly violent finish. Chandler is such a such a clown. I rewatched Gaethje versus Chandler for this show. He didn't look that good, to be completely honest. And I mean, everybody wants to talk about how much of a beast and an animal and a dog he is, but since coming to the UFC, he's lost two of his three fights. And I mean, that's like getting punched in the head and going, hit me more. That doesn't make you cool. It just means you're losing the fight, dude. That's that's what that means. All his antics when he first crossed over from Bellator to the UFC. I got to watch my time on this show. So I won't get into all of it. But Michael Chandler's corny, corny as a field in Kansas. And he's going to be around for a while, probably. On to greener pastures. Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza. Uh, this fight is going to be really, really interesting, I think. Uh, I don't know about interesting in terms of competition, but Carla Esparza's probably earned the fight. I think she's earned the fight. She's got a couple of split and majority decisions on the way to the belt, but, you know, glass, gla glass stones and rocks and all that. Uh, They've also, this is also a rematch of a fight from a while ago uh, for the, I believe they might have had the initial, the first ever Strawweight Championship fight. Esparza dropped the belt to Yona Jacek, but I think that Rosna Muniz has improved substantially more than Carla Esparza has in between those two fights. And a lot of people forget, because she's mean, she's mean as hell now, but Sug Rose was... She used to be a grappler. Most of her original wins were by submission before she camped up with uh, Trevor Whitman. So everybody talks about how dangerous Esparza is on the ground and how good her wrestling is and how good her grappling is, but so is Rose's. It's not like she's a slouch. And it's not that Whitman striking. I mean, she's a completely different fighter. Uh, I have a feeling that Esparza does not really have anything new to offer Rose. I've been surprised before, but I think this is going to be a hectic and fun fight that Rose wins very, very quickly. On to the main event. Unfortunately, while doing a tape study for this, I finally indeed had to resign myself to the fact that Charles Oliveira did beat Dustin Poirier. I did not watch the fight live. I refused to watch any recaps of the fight. I felt like drinking myself to death instead of watching Dustin lose a uh, unified championship fight again. But I did. 
And Oliveira, I mean, he looked great. Charles has been in the UFC for like 12 years now, and he's developed so much. His game is so much more complete now. Jack Slack was talking about this, that a lot of people, even as he's getting better all the time, are still kind of underrating him. It's kind of a phenomenon where like you've seen him lose so many times coming up in the UFC that you think that he is fallible, even though now his skill set is much better than it was in like 2011. A lot of people still are, you know, saying, you know, every new uh, challenger contender for Oliveira, he's going to fold. But I doubt it. Chucky Olives is really, really good. His clinch work in that fight was insane. I mean, he stuck on Dustin like glue when he got him in the clinch and did not let go until he popped a strike off every single time. Hung with the guy on the feet, too, was like not afraid of striking. was not afraid of striking with Dustin Poirier at all. However, we are living in the era of New Gaethje. This guy, compared to when he first came into the company, is so composed. He is so technical. He is the guy now that when Michael Chandler hurts him and he's up against the fence, he can dodge a hook and throw a picture-perfect one back on the jaw while not being able to walk straight. The guy's a menace. Uh... Basically, what I think is, uh, for one, Dustin was definitely way too comfortable in the clinch with Charles. Justin needs to avoid it like the abs- absolutely like the plague. Uh, anytime Charles starts to get any kind of contact on him, he's got to run in the opposite direction. It's a little more difficult when, obviously, Charles is going on takedown, takedown attempts and stuff like that. Although Justin did develop, he's got a crazy good right uppercut. He throws this like long, winding, uh, winding right uppercut and catches guys on the jaw and just knocks them loopy with it. So if he did catch Oliveira coming in, trying to you know wrap up the legs and get up on the on the wall, that'd be crazy. But it's just one of the weapons got in the arsenal. And for Oliveira, basically, I think his strategy can be almost very similar to his strategy against Dustin. He's got to be a little more reserved. Because Gaethje's got insane, insane, insane punching power. But Gaethje's strategy, uh, he's the leg kick guy. Uh, He throws those, they sound like baseball bats whenever they connect. I think Gaethje should, if he's trying to disrupt Oliveira, he should be slamming that lean leg as hard as he possibly can all the time. He should be darting in and out throwing as much as he can, throwing combinations, but he should be staying far away from Oliveira. He should not be letting Oliveira touch him. He shouldn't be letting Oliveira try and collar tie him. He should be moving in, making engagements, and getting out of the way. But that is also a style that, you know, it's not like Charles Oliveira would be completely dumbfounded by that. It's going to be a really, really, really interesting fight. I don't think either of these guys are going to go down Super easy. I, it's not going to make it to the <laughs> end of the fifth round, though, for sure. Basically, I think it's just the question of this fight is can Charles's chin hold up for long enough to execute his game plan on Gaethje, essentially? Because while fighting Dustin, he took shots. While fighting Chandler, he almost got knocked out. If he can keep his wits about him, 
not get knocked out, which is, of course, I mean, everybody's got the plan until they get punched in the face, but. And then execute the grappling and all that. And you get a very, very good chance of uh, putting on a very impressive performance and cruising to a win. I mean, yeah, you've got two very, very fascinating title fights at the top of the card. The rest of the card is kind of ass, but that's the UFC sometimes, baby. Other than that, Jorge Masvidal is going to jail. Uh, I'm Joe Dolan. This has been the MMA Frequency. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>